Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Without any further ado, we're going to get into the Word. If you have your Bibles, we're going to read our scripture in a couple of minutes, but if you want to start opening them up to the book of Luke, I'm liking the sling. I can keep my phone in here. It holds my mic. All right. I'll keep it a little longer. All right. We're going to be reading out of the book of Luke. And once again, I just, I'm so grateful uh, to get to share the Word of God. It is such a, such a privilege. I want to thank our, our pastor, Pastor Josh and Joanna. They are, they're amazing. And Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that they're entrusting me uh, to bring the word this morning, and I am excited for what God wants to speak to us today. We are loving this church. We're, if you don't know, we're new to this church. Uh, we've just been here a few months, but you guys have received us so well. You guys are so amazing, and we love you guys uh, so, so much. Here, let me get my, my computer opened up and ready to go. All right. We've, if you haven't joined a connect group, you need to join a connect group the next, the next season around. Uh, we're having a great time building relationships here. In fact, this week we had our, our connect group Friendsgiving, and it was awesome. It was beautiful. We had some, some amazing food. In fact, the food was so good that I wanted to share it with you guys today. So we had it on Friday, so it's only a couple days old. I brought you guys a plate of leftovers if anybody's interested. We got some ham with pineapple, some mashed potatoes, some delicious rye bread stuffing. We got the salad. Most of the pieces are still good. All right, we got some rolls. I even got some brownies right here for dessert. So if anybody's interested, if anybody's hungry, first person to hit me up after service. This is your plate right here. All right. I know a couple of the other Connect groups also had you know, their Friendsgiving or they're going to have it. Uh, it's just awesome when you can fellowship, when you can grow, when you can encourage each other. Um, our, our, our connect group is the best of all. because we're, um, uh, we're loving it. It's, it's a family connect group and kids are welcome. We're having a great, great time. And it's just beautiful, beautiful to be able to grow together. And this month, we're growing through a series called Seeds to the Sower. Right? Who appreciated Pastor's message last week? It was awesome. It was powerful. A message on, on, on generosity. And in that same train of thought, I want us to, to, to share this message today and keep this thing going. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet as we read the word. We're going to be reading out of Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Luke 16, 10. All right. And this is Jesus teaching us. And he says in Luke 16, 10, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Let's pray one more time. Father, we come before you this morning grateful, grateful that we were able to just worship you during our singing, Lord. We can worship you with our songs and our praise. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to give, to worship you through our giving, to have this beautiful children's dedication, Lord. And now as we get into your word, we ask that you speak to us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, is the one that ministers and that it's your message, Lord, that I don't get in the way of what you want to speak to us today. We ask you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, why don't you greet your neighbor one more time, the neighbor you haven't said hi to yet, and then you guys can take a seat. 
Once again, hi to all our online audience. Great to have you guys. Anybody listening on the podcast, so glad that you're joining us whichever way you can. We hope we can see you in person one day, but whichever way you're here, we are, we are excited. All right. My title for today is The Good Seed. The Good Seed. Anybody ever been to, to Idaho? I know it's is it not at the top of your bucket list. Did you go to Idaho? We have a few people, maybe eight or nine people that have been to, to Idaho. All right. Uh, well, we, we had the, the privilege, the honor of driving through Idaho uh, last year. We went on a road trip over to, to Yellowstone. And we actually have some friends that have a home in Idaho. So they hosted us, and we spent a couple of days there with us. Uh, with them. It was, it was beautiful. It was a wonderful time. Uh, a lot of playing, a lot of farming. Uh, what is Idaho famous for? Potatoes. Potatoes. What else are they famous for? Uh, not, nothing much else. <laughs> they're, but they're famous for, for Idaho potato. Here's a beautiful, high-quality Idaho potato right here. And the family that we stayed with, their whole, their cousins and their family they all work out there on the, on the potato fields. They grow, they grow grain and they grow potatoes. And we had the privilege, we have some pictures. So we had the, the privilege of taking the kids out to the fields. And one of our friend's uh, cousins, he actually runs the entire operation. He's in, he's in charge of all these fields of potatoes. So we got to go see a tour. And if you're wondering where the potatoes are, they're, they're underground. Potatoes are roots. So you couldn't see the potatoes, but they had a shovel, and the kids had a blast. They've never been so excited about potatoes, you know, kind of digging up some potatoes, seeing how they grow, seeing how that works. And, and, and I was talking to this guy, and he was telling me how these, I mean, they're as far as the eye can see, and how they have to walk down every line, you know, and they're inspecting, and they're looking at the, at the plants. They're making sure that the potatoes are healthy, that the plants are healthy. They're checking for disease, and that there's actually very high standards before a potato gets to the store that they have professional inspectors, you know, for the, for the FDA, and they come and they check everything, and they make sure everything's good to go. I was like, whoa, I didn't know, you know, they were so strict about growing potatoes. And then he tells me that his field, that that field that you're looking at right there, is actually a field of seed potatoes, that no one was ever going to eat these potatoes, that these are the potatoes that they grow, and they store them for the following season for the following crop. They're going to plant these potatoes again and grow more potatoes. So me, since I don't know anything about potatoes, I said something about how, oh, well, then it must be easier. Since people aren't going to eat these, then you probably don't have to like, have such high standards for these because people aren't going to eat them. And he, like a man who knows a lot more about potatoes than I do, kind of gave me a look. Like, what are you talking about? No. So he started explaining to me. He's like, no, no. Seed potatoes have to have the highest standard of all. These have to be the best potatoes of them all because they're the ones that are going to be planted for the harvest. The future of potatoes depends on these potatoes. He took his potatoes very seriously, right? And I, I, didn't, I hadn't thought of it that way. And he knows what farmers have known for generations, right? When, when, when people first started farming, you know, back in, in, in tribes, uh, they, they would start by, by, they would plant, and they realized that when you planted stuff, stuff would grow, and then they would take the best. They would take the nicest, best-looking fruit, best-looking crop, and they're like, oh, that's the one I'm going to eat. That's the one I'm going to sell. 
And then they would take the leftover, the dingy, the small, the, the misshapen, the tasteless ones. And they're like, well, those aren't as good. Let's use those as seeds. But if you know anything about genetics, what's going to happen if you're taking the mediocre fruit and using it as seeds? What kind of fruit are you going to get? Mediocre fruit, generation after generation. So then farmers started to realize that there's a principle, that there's a way that farming works. And even though it's a sacrifice, and even though it's a challenge, and even though it's hard, you actually have to take the best of the crop, the cream of the crop, the first fruits, the ones that are the nicest, and say, man, I can make some good money off of these. Oh, man, I can make some good mashed potatoes out of these. I can make some good french fries out of these. But instead, I'm going to take the best, and that's what I'm going to plant as seed for the future. And it's not going to be easy, but if I do that, then generation after generation, I'm going to have a fruitful and plentiful harvest. I'm going to keep producing fruits, crops that are flavorful, that are juicy, that are appealing, that are big, that are delicious. Right? And that's the secret to being a good farmer. Well, life works the same way. A lot of us are like those original farmers. Look, if I invited you to dinner over at my house, you know I'm going to cook something. Or my wife is going to help me cook something. Okay? We're going to cook something, something good. We're going to give you our best. Right? Now, if I just get home after work and I'm in a hurry and my wife's running late or whatever, and I don't have time. I'm going to run to the fridge. I'm going to open it up. Oh, the friend's giving. I still got some left. Okay. I'm going to eat that. Or if my kids are hungry, Papi, I'm hungry, you know. Hey, let's check. The, let's raid the fridge. Let's see what's in there. We'll find something. Okay. And, and I'll give my kids leftovers. Now, if I invite you over, especially if, you know, I know you're coming. If you show up unannounced, maybe that's all I got to offer you. But if I invite you over and I know that you're coming, then we're going to prepare something. And I'm, hey, two days ago we had friends giving. I'm not going to give you this, right? I'm going to offer you my best. How many of us are trying to give God our leftovers? God, I'll give you everything that's left. I'll give you whatever remains. And, and we expect, God bless me. Give me that abundant harvest. Give me that amazing life. And we're just sowing that mediocre, that leftover, that shriveled, that ugly, that flavorless, that tasteless food. And we expect to have the abundant and the wonderful harvest right? We need to give God our best. Let me, amen. Let me read you the scripture we read one more time. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Notice we haven't mentioned the word money. This is more than money. We're talking about everything God has given you. Whatever way you want to define your worldly wealth or your worldly riches. And here's the thing. This is the secret. How you handle worldly wealth is a test. This is a test. Right? Are you guys a fan of tests? All right, I'm a teacher, and I like to give tests. All right. It's, it's nice. I, I have this little routine where I'll show up in the morning with my, my printout, my stack of tests. I'll stand in front of the kids. I'll ruffle through them, I'll smell them, and I'll go, don't you love the smell of fresh tests in the morning? Just to torture them a little bit. I know, I know, it's horrible. Um, but they know, they know when it's test day. Right, I don't know about you, but not a lot of people are fans uh, of tests. So, sorry to tell you that 
how you handle your worldly wealth is a test. But, but, you have, we all had like this, this teacher in high school, probably social studies, who would give you the answers to the test beforehand. You remember that teacher, right? Oh, that was, didn't you love that guy? All right, usually it was probably one of the football coaches uh, as well. And especially when he let you write them down and you had them right there and all you had to do was show up on test day, bring out your notes, copy down the answers, turn it in, pow, and three kids still managed to fail. But all the other kids, man, they got it figured out, right? The three kids, but everybody else aced that class because Mr. So-and-so would give you the answers. Well, thank God, thank God that he's a good, good teacher as well because he gives you the answers to the test. So yes, handling your wealth is a test, but God gives you the cheat sheet. Here it is, and it's in the scripture, and I'll give you the condensed version right now. It's just one sentence when it comes to how you handle your wealth. Give God your first 10%. That's it. That's the answer to the test. Give God your first 10%. Right? In the Bible, the number 10, I was, if you guys want a book recommendation on this topic, Pastor Robert Morris, man, he is amazing. His book, The Blessed Life, is, is just a classic if you want to check that out. And I was researching this week, and he talks about how the number 10 in the Bible is a number for testing. Whenever there was a trial, whenever there was a tribulation, whenever there was God wanted to test somebody, it came in groups of 10. So pop quiz time. I'm going to give you a little pop quiz. This is uh, Pastor Morris's quiz, uh, but it's a good one, all right? And I think you'll catch on pretty quick, so don't, don't panic too much, all right? If you get confused, just count how many fingers you have, and we'll go from there. Okay, so let's see how well you know your Bible. How many plagues did God send to Egypt to test the Pharaoh? Ten. Okay. How many commandments did God give the Israelites? Ten. Okay, are you picking it up? It's, it's a pretty easy quiz. Okay, okay, okay. How many times will the Israelites test it in the wilderness? Ten. How many times were Jacob's wages tested to see if he was going to persevere? Ten times. Ten times. Okay, if, it's the same answer. Just keep it going. Okay. All right. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten days. Okay. How many virgins were tested in the parable of Jesus? Ten. Okay. How many days of testing are in the book of Revelation? Ten days. How many disciples are there? That was 12. You got to make sure you know. Okay. Just to see if you know your word. Okay. Love that quiz. All right. Ten is the number of testing. So if you look at the scriptures, I want us to look at a couple of verses. And it's not just any 10% that you're going to bring to God. You're going to bring him your first. You're trusting God with your first. Ecclesiastes tells us, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. See, that is a test of faith. It would be awesome to go, oh, I'm going to pay off everything. And then when I got that 10% left, that's what I'm going to use. Okay, but that's not the way faith works. Faith is making a declaration up front that you know that God is going to take care of you, right? In, in farming days, you were supposed to take the first lamb, the first goat, and you were supposed to sacrifice that to the Lord, right? And you didn't know how many more goats or how many more lambs that mom was going to have, right? You weren't sure where the rest of the blessing was coming, but that's how you declared your faith, saying, God, I'm going to give to you first. God, I'm going to sow a seed first and trust you for the harvest. I'm going to trust that you are going to multiply, that you are going to increase, the Bible says, 30, 60, and 100 fold. Malachi 3.10 tells us, 
bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. See, okay, this is a test, but this is the beauty of it. This is actually a two-way test. It's not just a test. God is testing you, but this is the only time in the Bible where God gives you permission to test him as well. He says, give to me and I will give back to you. Sow and you will reap. Right? Pastor Josh was talking last week. How if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you will reap generously. Because God is saying, look, you do your part and I will do my part. And that is amazing. So look, I know that right now, especially if you go online, if you see these ads, they have all kinds of investment opportunities, right? They got crypto, they got Bitcoin, they got NFTs, they got the good old-fashioned stock market, they got real estate opportunities in Arizona. They got all kinds of things. Invest into this startup, invest into this company. But I'm here to tell you this morning that there is no better place to invest your first 10% than into the kingdom of heaven. That is the only place where you will have heavenly and eternal returns, right? I don't know if you've seen how Bitcoin is doing. I don't see, you know if you know how crypto is doing, but things go up and down. The stock market is not faithful. Crypto is not faithful, but God is faithful. So Sam, whoa, 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 Sam. So you're saying if I just take my money and I give it to God, then I'm going to have tons of money. No, that's not what I'm saying. But you're saying I'm going to be rich. Yes, but not necessarily with money. And that's something you need to be, be conscious of. There's more to life than money. I'm telling you, you're going to have a blessed life, a life that is blessed by God. Look, I, don't, I try not to keep up with too much gossip, too much celebrity or millionaire stuff, billionaire stuff. But uh, the little that I know, I see these guys' lives, and man, I, I don't envy them. Okay, I don't know if you know what's happened to Bill Gates the last couple of years, Jeff Bezos the last few years, um, Elon Musk also, just looking at their relationships, looking at how they're doing, besides having all that money, how are they doing just as people, right? The Bible says, better to live on the roof than inside a house with a wife you don't get along with. Wow. And you look at these guys, billionaires, and they can't afford to buy a good marriage. They can't afford to live in a happy home, in a peaceful home where there's joy and fellowship and relationship and comfort. And you can get there and you know that your wife loves you. All the money in the world can't buy you love. And it's sad. You know, the Bible tells us, and I can tell you from personal experience, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. And I can give as a personal testimony. Look, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not rich. I've been tithing since I got my first job. And I don't have a bank account that has tons of zeros on it. But man, I would not trade that with anybody because I have a loving home. I have wonderful kids. I have an amazing wife who is worth more than rubies. Mi amor, I love you so much. You are so amazing. And I wouldn't trade her for anything. You could offer me those people's money, but I wouldn't trade places with them because I have the abundant, I'm living in an abundant life that God has given me. I wake up and I have purpose. I have, I have you guys, man, and you guys... If you, if you don't know other churches, man, you guys are so blessed 
to have each other. You guys are, I know we're out here in a tent, and I know the weather is being a roller coaster with us. You know, and there's ups and downs. But you guys are so blessed to be part of this community. You guys are so blessed to be part of the body of Christ. Knowing that when we stumble, we have people there to help us up. Knowing that when we have a need, there's people that are going to gather around us and are going to love on us and are going to take care of each other. Man, that is the abundant life that God says, look, you come, you invest in me, and I'm going to invest in you, and you'll be a part of my body, you'll be a part of my kingdom, and you will have the abundant life that I died on the cross to give you. Amen. Look, I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd rather feed my family at McDonald's and know that we're together and we're happy than at some fancy steakhouse and know that we're falling apart. That's what God offers you. I like, I like what Pastor Morris also says. He talks a lot about Malachi chapter 3. If you get a chance to read, you can read the whole book of Malachi. It's a short little book, but if you could just read one chapter this week, read Malachi chapter 3. Chapter 3 verse 8 says this. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. He's talking to the people of Israel. And notice, notice, that when we read uh, verses about tithing and about giving, uh, it says, bring your tithes to the storehouse. Okay, not asking for you to donate, not asking for you to be the one who's actually... Uh, taking out of what belongs to you and giving it to God. Because here's the thing. Once you come to a realization that everything you have belongs to God, then you're not bringing what belongs to you. You're receiving the 100% that God is giving you, and you're using 10% of that to sow back into his kingdom to plant. And you're going to bring in the best, and you're going to bring in the first fruits because you're so grateful. When I look at my life, when I look, we were singing that beautiful song uh, last week about gratitude. When I just look at how good God has been to me, I feel like, God, 10%, anything I have to offer you, God, is not enough. If I gave you everything, I would still fall so short of everything that you have given me. So we're robbing God when we're not being faithful in our tithes and in our offerings. Now, uh, for years, uh, you, maybe you've heard pastors talk about this, preach about this. And, and it sounds like we're robbing God of money. But the Bible tells us that God, the universe belongs to God. He's got the, the cattle on a thousand hills. God doesn't need our money. He doesn't need our 10%. He's the one who gave all of it to us. So Pastor Morris, he was reading, he was looking into this, and then I love what he says. He says that, that, that God showed him that we're not robbing God of money. We're robbing God of the opportunity to bless us. That's what God wants. God wants to give us the abundant life. God wants to shower blessings on us. It says, he says, open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will be not room enough to receive it. And we're robbing God of that opportunity. Why? Because we're not willing to invest. Because we're not willing to plant. Because we're not willing to be that faithful steward. Then look at verse 11 in Malachi 3. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. I love that line. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You ever open up your wallet and go, where did my money go? You ever open up your bank account online? Oh, man, I, got, I still have a lot of month left and very little cash. 
You know, yes, we live in a world of consumerism, of materialism, where there's a devourer out there trying to eat you up, trying to gobble up everything that God has given you, trying to gobble up and take your blessing, devour your blessing. But God says, when you bring, when you plant into the kingdom, I'm going to build a hedge of protection around you and around what you have left. And yes, 90% with God will do a lot more than 100% without God because God is holding back the devourer. God is saying, no, you're not going to mess with them because they are my faithful stewards. I'm going to take care of them. I'm protecting them and I'm going to bless them. And the enemy is not going to get in the way. You're taking that stewardship discipline. You're being mindful. In fact, it's just amazing. And when you start with the first fruit, then you're responsible. It, it, it changes your entire mindset. Because then you don't look at your cash and go, ooh, what else could I spend it on? But you start looking at your cash, and that reminds you, man, this belongs to God. How could I steward it? How could I take care of it? What do I need to invest in long-term for the kingdom, but long-term for my family, long-term for my well-being, for my retirement? How could I be disciplined? And pastor's going to be sharing more about that next week, but it changes who you are when you put God in charge of your money instead of letting your money be in charge of you. God wants us to have a plentiful harvest, and sometimes we're settling for seeds. God gives us something, and he wants us to plant it so that we can be blessed. You guys ever see that show Shark Tank? Right? Uh, I like the show. I don't watch it too much, but when it's, when it's on and I, I happen to be there, I'll watch a few of the, of the pitches. Right? So the way it works, if you've never seen it, they have a, a, a little panel of, of rich people. Right? Millionaires, billionaires. Uh, Mark Cuban is one of them. These guys, have, these guys have money. Right? And they're trying to invest their money into companies that they think are going to be successful. So you'll have, you know, whoever's there that day, and they have what's called an elevator pitch. They have a few minutes to present their product, to present their company, and to say, this is why you should invest in me. And it's, it's pretty sad because sometimes they get torn down, right? Sometimes it's like, oh, you don't got your act together. I can't invest in you. It's not worth it, right? But sometimes when the, when the sharks, they call them the sharks, when they see an opportunity, when they see, man, this is a gold mine. There's an opportunity here. Man, they're fighting each other to get in on this company. Man, I'll give you 100 grand for 10%. I'll give you 200 grand for 15%. And they start because they want a piece of this action. What's your elevator pitch to God? If God was sitting right there on his throne and you came before him, God invest in me so I can have a jet ski. <laughs> God invest in me so I don't have to work anymore. Or are you coming and are you offering a product that God is, oh, I need that for my kingdom. Oh, I need that person. Oh, I'm going to put a stake in you. I'm going to invest in your home, in your family, in your well-being, in what you have, because I want you to be a part of this. I want in on that. What do we have? What do we bring? And the thing is, we have nothing to offer God. God's already a gazillionaire. But he gives us the opportunity to be a part of it if we're willing and able to go, God, whatever you give me, I will do my best. I will manage it. I will steward it. I will be faithful. I will build your kingdom. I will raise my children up the right way. I'm going to build. I'm going to help others. I'm going to be a lighthouse to North County. I'm going to reach out to my community. That's what we want. And I know that this is a touchy subject, right? Because it's, it's, sometimes it sounds like a little conflict of interest for pastors to talk about this. But I heard a pastor say once, and I loved it. He said, look, when pastors do not teach about giving, 
you're actually doing your congregation a disfavor. You're hurting them because God wants to bless them and you need to let them know that. I want you to be blessed. Pastor Josh wants you to be blessed. This church wants you to be blessed. And I know you might be asking, well, where is the money going? And that is a great question to ask. The Bible tells us that here, mortal men receive tithes. But there, is, but there Jesus receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Whatever you give to the work of God, whatever you give to the church, you're giving it to people, but Jesus is the one that is receiving it. Does that mean that you shouldn't be responsible? Does that mean that you should be careless? No, no, you have to be careless. You have to be careful. You have to know where it's going. Okay, that's why we have growth track where we talk about finances. That's what we had heart and soul uh, a couple of weeks ago. So you know where Salah goes up there and he opens up the charts and says, look, this is how we're investing. Where pastor goes up there and he tells you, look, these are the goals that we have for a church. And if you weren't able to make it to heart and soul, he talked about them last week. You could check it out. Let me give you a quick summary. What do we want to do? We want to build a sanctuary. We want to have an awesome curriculum for our L kids to teach them the word of God. We want to have great Sunday services so you can invite your friends and we can share the gospel with them. We want to help our community build healthy families, healthy parenting, healthy relationships. And we want to love on our city, love this North County, and help serve our communities. And if you can't get behind that, find something you can get behind. Look, if you're visiting us today, uh, I don't want you to feel obligated like you have to give to us. Find something, find a ministry, find a charity, find something that you believe in, but don't let some excuse hold you back from the blessing. Look, when we, we were looking for a church this year, and we visited a lot of churches, and since we weren't tithing to one church uh, in particular, we would go and we would take our part of our tithe for that week, and we would give it to whatever church we were visiting. But we had to be mindful. I'll be honest with you. There was one church where I just didn't feel led to give there. You know, it was just, I didn't feel it. You know, it was the right place to give. That doesn't mean, that, oh, God, I get to spend this this week myself. No, I went and I found somewhere else, but I still gave it, right? Because I know that no matter if they weren't going to do the right thing, I'm still not going to hold back my blessing. I'm going to go and I'm going to get it, and I'm going to give to the work of God. And some of you might be thinking, Sam, I don't work yet. I'm young. I'm a teenager. I'm still in school. You know, I don't make any money. So am I, am I free from this? Well, Remember, the scriptures that we read didn't say the word money. They talked about whatever wealth you have, the riches that God has given you. And I want you to think about that. The Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes, remember your creator in the days of your youth. You realize we have baby dedications, not old people dedications, right? Now some of us are like, oh, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to enjoy. And then one day, whatever is left, I'll give it to God. Here you go, Jesus. It's only two days old. It's only 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. I got my leftovers right here for you. And God says, that's not what I want. Young people, you are in the prime of your life. This is the time. Maybe it's not money, but you have time. You have energy. You have intelligence. Where are you investing your attention and your relationships, your aspirations? I congratulate everybody that's going to Bible college that is learning, that is preparing themselves. Everybody that's on the dream team, you don't need to have a job to be on the dream team. You can serve and be a blessing to the kingdom with whatever resources God has given you. You can go and share them with the kingdom. And look, 
I'm not trying to load you with a bigger burden. I'm trying to load you today with a bigger blessing. This is your chance. And I hope that you feel my heart today and know that I want God to bless you. I don't want to take anything from you. I want you to be able to plant so that God can multiply. This is the investments that have eternal significance. And look, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. There's a lot more, and we can teach about this, uh, you know, for weeks at a time. There's actually about 2,350 Bible verses on finances and possession. But more than your money, more than your wealth, more than your stuff, God wants you. The thing he desires the most is your heart. He died on the cross, not so that he could have your money, not so he could have your stuff but that he could have you and then give you eternal life. And that's what matters. So if you're listening today, and you're, you're trying to figure all this out. If you got more questions, if there's things you want to know, please come talk to us, find a pastor. We'd love to sit with you. We'd love to answer your questions. But I want you to know this morning how much Jesus loves you, how much Jesus wants to bless you, and how important it is that the first thing that you give him is your heart. Put it in his hands. Say, God, I can do only so much with what I have, but I know that if I put those seeds and I plant them into your kingdom, you're going to multiply 30, 60, and 100 fold. So right there where you are, can we just pray together? If this is uh, the time, maybe you want to give your heart to the Lord. If this is your moment, maybe you realize that you can't have it together on your own, that you need to put it in God's hands and to know that when God is in control, everything will change. Your life will be transformed and you'll longer, you will no longer be depending on money or belongings to give you satisfaction. But that one, the creator who made you in your mother's womb, the one who from the beginning of time had a purpose and a calling for your life will receive you and will bless you and lift you up and give you the purpose that you've been longing for. Let us pray. God, we come before you this morning grateful. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you that you have given us everything. That you gave your life on the cross so that we could have an abundant life. Lord, and we ask that we're able to live by this principle. We ask that we're able to come and we're able to give you, Lord, of our first fruits. Give you of our tithes and of our offerings. Lord, as an investment into your kingdom, knowing that you're going to use it, that you're going to multiply it. Father, I ask for all the families here this morning that you bless their homes, Lord, that you bless their marriages, you bless their children, you bless their jobs, you bless whatever situation they are in, and that they know that you are for them and not against them, that you know that you are their loving Father, that you are the good, good Father, and you're going to watch over them, and you are not going to return void, but you are going to return to them, Lord, whatever they give over and abundantly so that they are not able to contain it. Thank you, Jesus. I ask you for anybody today, Lord, who hasn't made that decision, who is sitting on the fence, who needs to know that they need to give their life to you, that they need to commit to you, that they need to turn it over to you, and that when you're in control, you will make all things wonderful in their time. We put it before you this morning in Jesus' name. Can we just worship God together today, church? Declare it with the praise team. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.